The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I want to start this morning with some uh, instructions. Often in these day-longs we come and um, there's a silent sitting to begin, but the form of practice that I'd like to offer today is quite a bit different than um, some of our usual day-longs. And so I want to orient you to the way we'll be practicing today. The style of practice that I'm offering is based on um, teachings that I learned from my teacher, Sayadaw Utejaniya, who is a Burmese meditation teacher. And his style of practice, it's, uh, it's, it's a, I would call it a pure mindfulness practice. It is, emphasizes mindfulness moment to moment throughout our day. And uh, I would say, I would also call it a receptive practice, a receptive mindfulness practice. Sometimes in our um, mindfulness practice, we choose something to pay attention to. We choose the breath, for example, as a place to orient and pay attention to um, in order to cultivate that quality of mindfulness. In this practice, we don't orient to anything in particular except for perhaps the recognition of being aware, noticing that we're aware, and then noticing what awareness is aware of in each moment. And so it is, it is kind of settling back and receiving, this is what I'm aware of right now. It is looking at essentially what is it like, what is the experience of being human in this moment like? Just getting familiar with experiences in the body as they arise, experiences in the mind as they arise, and being aware of them, being curious about them, looking at what is this human experience. The purpose of practice in general, I would say, um, all forms of of, uh, the practice that we offer here, in, in general, the direction, the aim is that we begin to learn and understand about how suffering works, how we struggle, why we struggle, why we get caught. And in that process of learning about that, our minds begin to reorient and find a new way to relate to experience. One of the things that I've seen in my own um, practice, in my own Um, experience is that it does seem that the mind wants to move in the direction of well-being, but it has been really confused about how to do that. And it it has some habits, some patterns about getting what I want, you know, thinking that happiness is going to come from getting what I want, getting rid of what I don't want, just, um, you know, this kind of immediate satisfaction that we go for. And in that... um, in that process, we are reinforcing some habits and patterns of mind that actually keep us stuck in confusion, stuck in uh, 
constriction, the habits and patterns of greed and aversion particularly keep us caught, underlying them a, a, a pattern of confusion or delusion. And so part of our practice is to begin to understand that those, those um, movements of heart and mind that uh, motivate wanting to hold on to things, wanting to push things away, we begin to see that the mind has been kind of um, you know, leaping out into the future um, rather than being in the present moment, essentially, you know, with some, something of the idea of, if I get this thing, then I'll be happy. If I get rid of this thing, then I'll be happy. And so the mind is kind of leaping out um, with the idea, oh, I'll be happy then. And so it's kind of got this, this belief that, that um, whatever's happening now is less important in some way than that I head in that direction and get that thing. And so in the process of, of um, going through our, hab- our habitual ways of navigating the world, we often miss that we are struggling here and now. We miss that, wow, this actually this pattern of getting what I want, getting rid of what I don't want, creates tension right now. We are essentially giving over ease right now for some possible idea of some ease in the future. And so the, the meditation practice, the mindfulness practice, begins to show us that there are some other ways to, um, to have ease in our, in our lives and begins to help us to recognize that these habits and patterns that we've learned that are deeply conditioned... We've learned from our families, our culture, just our, our interaction with the world. You know, we've learned that, yeah, if I get something that I want, it does make me happy for a moment. And then when that happiness fades, I, 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 it's like, well, when was the last time I was happy? It was when I got something. So I go off and try to do it again. And so we, um, we begin to see that, that that pattern or that cycle is uh, kind of catching us. And that there may be another way to uh, find some ease and peace. That actually when one of the kind of revelations of, of, of mindfulness practice is that when we see the greed or the aversion in our experience, wanting something, wanting to get rid of something, that wanting is telling us you need to get that thing, you need to get rid of that thing in order to be happy. And when we believe that story of the wanting or the aversion, then we buy into that, uh, that view, that belief. And yet what we can start to see in our, in our mindfulness practice is that if that wanting goes away, if the aversion, if the greed for that thing goes away, whether we have it or not, there is a kind of ease and peace. And so this is, is looking at, essentially, what we're looking at is how we get caught in ways that we struggle in our lives and how does our own mind participate in those struggles? How, does our, how do our habits of mind create a part of how and why we feel so confused, 
angry, frustrated, irritated, depressed. There are situations, things happening in the world that we are responding to. And yet we are responding and reacting to what's happening in the world. And that, we may not be able to do much about what's happening in the world. Sometimes we can make some changes. But the, the, the kind of the orientation in our practice is to look at what, what is there here in this uh, system, in our, in our human experience, that we have some agency over to change internally in relationship to what's happening externally. Now that, that won't necessarily, I mean, that we might think that, that that would mean that we would simply be, you know, just like move into this place of, oh yeah, all's cool, no, nothing needs to change, you know, just chill, everything's fine. Um, but what seems to happen is that while we, we move in the direction of Things as they are, you know, recognizing that things as they are, are as they are. And there's, uh, there, we move in the direction of, of less reactivity of greed, aversion, and delusion. We also um, don't simply sit back and say, oh, well, yeah, everything's fine. There are, there are ways that the, the release of the, the kind of constricted reactions to what's happening when those are, are no longer in the way, there's room for wiser reactions to what's happening. Not out of reactivity, but out of compassion, out of um, patience, out of kindness, out of generosity, out of love, out of wisdom. And so there's, there's that place where in this um, exploration or this transformation of our minds, these... Uh, more reactive patterns weaken and that creates the space for more skillful, helpful, wholesome um, responses to the world to happen. And so essentially in the practice we are exploring how do our minds kind of tie us up into knots, tie other people in our environment up into knots with us, and see if we can begin to loosen those knots and respond to the world in a different, more skillful way. And so the practice that um, we do here at our, uh, at our center is kind of helps us to, to begin to recognize those places and ways in which we tie ourselves into knots. And this particular practice that Sayadaw Uteshaniya teaches kind of goes directly for the mind, goes directly for looking at how is our mind in relationship to experience. And so instead of focusing on, okay, can I be with the breath? Can I be with the breath? Um, And then noticing we might get pulled from the breath. We just start by noticing what's here, what's happening right now, and how am I in relationship to it? And that, how am I in relationship to it, which Sayadaw Utejaniya calls the attitude of, um, of mind. He's, he's, he encourages us a lot to say, check, check the attitude. How are you in relationship to what's happening? That attitude or how we are in relationship to what's happening is where and how we tie ourselves into knots. 
and tie other people into knots with us. And so that's uh, an important piece of our exploration, is to not only know what is happening in our experience, but to begin to check in, how am I in relationship to it? And so we may have relationships of confusion, of greed, of aversion. So those, those are the, those relationships that tie us into knots. You know, there's something happening. Uh, there's a, a difficult sensation in my knee, a painful sensation. We, we would call a painful sensation. And we don't like it. So the, uh, the sensation is one thing, and the relationship of not liking is another the wanting it to go away, the, the, the hating it, the aversion. That's what we would call the relationship. And so our practice is, uh, is to begin to recognize that these relationships often go unrecognized, and in going unrecognized, they, um, they, they, those, those kind of uh, hidden uh, attitudes start driving our choices, they, they, um, they kind of motivate us to act out of their energy. And so that aversive energy of, oh, I don't like this pain. And, you know, it's like, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is not good. And, you know, it can, it, can, it can spiral, you know. It's like it can make us believe that we're going to end up with cancer in our knee if we keep sitting with this pain and we need to, you know, go off and leave the, leave the day. I mean, it can, it, can, it can amazingly get quite elaborate pretty quickly. And so this practice is a bit beginning to just recognize, okay, well, there is the pain, there is the unpleasant sensation, and there is this aversion, this not liking. And then we begin to see that those things interplay, that it's not simply that there is a- aversion and not liking, but the not liking actually, uh, you know, when we are caught by it, it seems to have a feedback loop with the painful sensation and, you know, tightens it. Um, and so it actually ends up with more pain. The aversion itself is a painful experience. The pain is painful. And those two of those together, it's not simply additive, it, uh, it multiplies, it's much, it becomes much stronger. And so when we don't notice those attitudes, we, um, uh, we are um, not recognizing how our minds are contributing to those knots. And so when we can start to recognize, okay, there is pain and there is this not liking, maybe we can be a kind of curious about that. What is it like to sit here and know there is an unpleasant sensation and not liking is happening? Now, as I said a moment ago, you know, this recognition of, of um, um, that relationship doesn't simply mean that we would, we would say, oh, yeah, no problem. It's, you know, everything's fine. Pain in the knee. You know, I, I don't, you know, don't do anything. What this um, exploration can do is to help us to recognize, okay, yes, there's pain, there is not liking, and begin to, instead of just immediately react out of the not liking, we can start to, to evaluate, look at um, what's actually happening. Instead of looking at it through the lens or the filter of that not liking, instead of looking at it through that, that filter of... Um, I got to move right now. 
we can step back and, and actually look at more clearly what's going on. Maybe we see that the pain is actually not that strong. And it's actually the aversion that's strong. Maybe we see the pain is very strong and we, we know that um, you know, we've had knee surgery recently and that it's important for us to move. That movement then can happen not from that reactivity, but from a sense of care and compassion for ourselves. So the, the mindfulness and awareness of our attitudes, of our, um, um, the ways in which we're responding to what's happening, doesn't mean that we end up not acting. But it does help us to come to some more discernment about is this action that we're taking, is this action, this, this uh, choice of, of action, is it coming from a place of reactivity or a place of wisdom and discernment? The, 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 the Buddha had a, a kind of a, a pithy way to describe Um, some of what goes on in our mind. He said, whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of the mind. And so if we frequently engage in aversion, acting out of aversion, based on, oh, that's happening, I don't like it, that becomes the way we relate to more and more things. And so the the, the, an alternative would be if we frequently relate to, um, to experience out of wisdom and compassion, responding out of uh, concern and care rather than aversion, that becomes the inclination of the mind. And so this practice that um, I'm offering today, is, it kind of goes more directly to looking at the mind looking at our relationship. And the first thing that we really need to do is to begin to stabilize mindfulness, not on a particular object, but just to stabilize awareness. To be aware that you're aware. Right now, do you know that you're aware? If you're listening, not, you know, a little bit asleep or drifting off into thought, that question, you, you do know that you're aware. Now, you may not quite know how you know you're aware. You may not quite know what the experience of awareness is. But that's okay. Just, just for a moment, just take in, you know, yeah, okay, awareness is here. And then what is it that you are aware of in this moment? And just settle back rather than looking for something, you know, just almost wait for something to be obvious. Maybe it's the sound of my voice that's obvious. Maybe the sound outside of the car. Maybe it's a body sensation. So what is obvious in this moment? And how about now? This, what we're, what's obvious in a moment changes, shifts. Maybe right now it's with the sound of the car outside.
Maybe the feeling in the body. Maybe a breath. And so there is this awareness and what we're aware of. This is a natural capacity of our minds. It's not some esoteric kind of thing. This capacity to be aware and to know what we are aware of is a human function. In some ways, I feel like the Buddha was brilliant to highlight this capacity and say, wow, this is really helpful. When we turn this capacity to our experience in this way, to be curious about what this experience is in the present moment, it has a transformative effect on our system, on our minds. It changes how we are in relationship to the world. Because essentially what we're, we're doing is getting um, different information through the direct experience, being aware, knowing what's happening moment to moment. We're getting a kind of a different level of information than we usually get through our intellect, through the way in which we engage through the world, through our thoughts, through our ideas, through our beliefs, and through our views. And so we're, we're kind of touching into this, you know, what's actually happening here. So this is, um, you know, this capacity to be mindful is an ordinary human capacity that we normally use in the service of our thoughts and our ideas and our views and our beliefs. We become aware of something, we think about it, we decide what to do about it, not based on what's happening, but based on our history, our conditioning. And so the, uh, you know, this practice is more kind of like, well, what is this experience? Let's, let's, let's let this inform us for a little while. Let's see what's here. So the capacity is human and it's natural. It happens to us all the time that we become aware and we know what we're aware of. But usually it's not in the service of being curious about what's here, but it's in usually what happens with that awareness of what, when we become aware of what's happening, that kind of gets co-opted into the service of the view or the idea or the belief that's got the highest priority in our minds right now. So, um, you know, the the awareness of, you know, you're driving down the freeway and somebody, you know, you're kind of lost in thought and somebody kind of moves in front of you quickly, that's probably going to wake you up. You're going to become aware if you've been lost in thought. We can become aware in that moment of the kind of the charge in our system, the kind of elevation of energy, and out of uh, compassion not only for ourselves, but everybody around us, maybe slow down a little bit, back off, that could all happen out of wisdom. If, we, if we're aware of that as it is, is happening and curious about what's happening in the moment that way. But often what would happen is that we'd see that and that we'd, you know, we'd, we'd move into our habitual reactivity, get angry at the person, maybe put our hand on the horn and, and blare, maybe, maybe even 
put up, put on the accelerator, come up really close behind them to, to make them fear that you're going to, you know, that they cut in too fast. And I've seen this kind of thing happen. So, you know, that kind of reaction can be what follows from becoming aware in the present moment. And so that's not what the Buddha is pointing to, right? I mean, he, he's pointing to this more, what is it like to be here in this moment? So there's a big difference in becoming aware of experience between, for instance, becoming aware of um, anger in the present moment happening and knowing, wow, this is anger in the present moment. This is what it's like to be a human being experiencing this versus becoming aware of anger and believing the story of anger and following its trajectory. Big difference between those two. And so the, the practice is, is um, that we're exploring here is to begin to become aware with this capacity of um, natural capacity of awareness and what we're aware of in our human system, but aimed towards the curiosity of our human experience in the moment. This capacity to be aware... I mean, first of all, it's useful to know it's, it's, um, it's a useful capacity to cultivate, to strengthen that capacity. Mostly we haven't, until we meet some practice like this, mostly we haven't um, um, had that, uh, that view that this simple capacity of being aware is useful to cultivate. So it's useful to know that it's helpful to to cultivate this capacity in this way of being curious about the present moment experience. And something that really supports this capacity to be aware in the present moment with this curiosity is relaxation. Relaxing the body, relaxing the mind, Essentially, when our bodies and minds are relaxed, the tension there kind of pulls us out often into non-awareness. It pulls us out into thoughts of the past or the future. What do we need to do? Our views, our ideas, our beliefs. When there's a relaxation of body and relaxation of mind, there's more room for the natural capacity of our uh, system to be aware and to know what we're aware of to, to to be taking place. And so this is a great place to begin our practice. And Saito Tejaniya encourages this a lot. This was not my initial uh, response to the meditation training that I had learned before I met Saito Tejaniya. Now, I am sure that, that my teachers did not say, be tense and pay attention to the breath. But somehow that's how I took it in, you know, that it was more important to be with the breath somehow. And so when I met Utejaniya, he like really, this was the first thing he talked about. You got to relax, relax, relax. He said it so many times it began to enter my mind. Oh, relax. Oh, yeah. There would be whole uh, periods where that would be what I would emphasize, emphasizing just being relaxed and the, 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 the mindfulness was connected with that. 
know, just encouraging relaxation, there is a way that mindfulness is being cultivated as we are aware of what it's like for our system to relax. So relaxation is a place that we begin. And with that relaxation, when there is some relaxation, we can begin to recognize, oh, is there awareness? Am I aware? And what am I aware of? And how am I in relationship to it? These are the, these are the basic instructions that Sayadaw Utejaniya offers. It's, it's, it's that simple, really. Relax. Recognize, are you aware? Are you aware? And what is obvious right now? Sound. Body sensation, emotions, thoughts. The entirety of our experience is included in this. Are you aware? And what is obvious? He encourages the use of these questions, actually, to support our engagement to support the effort that we make to connect moment to moment. So in a, in a practice where we aim at a particular object, the effort is kind of aimed at, am I with the breath? Can I connect to the breath? So that's where the effort is aimed at. In this practice, the, the effort is aimed at, am I aware? And it's, it, it, it can just be a kind of a subtle back, relax, Am I aware? Okay, yep, okay, and what? Of what? And how about now? Of what? Now you, could, you, you can use these, these questions lightly in your mind as a support for staying connected to the practice. Instead of having the, the connection to a particular object, Really, we're, we're exploring staying connected to knowing that we're aware. Oh, am I aware? And of what? Sometimes we can, we can uh, have a more kind of connection to the of what. What is happening? It's, it's a little bit easier to, to know something about what is happening, like the sound, the the experience of the sound. And this is experiential we're talking, not conceptual. So the experience of the sound of the car driving by. What's that like to have that vibrating in your eardrums? The experience of a body sensation. What's that like? And so this, uh, the, the awareness that we are aware is aware of our mind because awareness is done by the mind. And we recognize what we're aware of. And uh, t- from time to time, checking in and how are we in relationship to what's happening? What's the attitude? That is also in the mind, that attitude. Okay, there's, there's the sound of something. And I find it pleasant or unpleasant. I like it. I don't like it. These things are also happening 
in the mind. And that is, again, as I said before, that tends to be where we kind of go out of the present moment into thoughts, ideas, views, and get lost, and also then start reacting. Our actions become motivated by those reactions. And so this is, this is the simplicity of this practice, and we'll do a guided meditation in, in just a few moments. Now one other piece I'll just I'll point out here. Uh, often people, um, um, in just this simple, like, am I aware? What's here? Um, it can feel like the mind is kind of jumping around. And that's a part of, um, a part of this practice is to begin to recognize that we can be aware of how attention shifts from experience to experience. This, is not, this does not mean that the mind is not aware, but we can be aware of that shift of attention. So here we are, aware... <coughs> sound body sensation so we can we can kind of follow the attention follow the shift of attention and stay with the attention stay with what it shifts to from experience to experience we begin to get familiar with that that sense of the attention shifting from one thing to another and can stay present while that's happening now that moment where the attention shifts from one thing to another, that is the prime moment when our mind tends to wander, leaves the present moment, because we don't often notice at times when we're not attuned to this shifting of attention. We often don't notice when the mind picks up on something else. And then when it picks up on something else, we start thinking about it, and then we're, we're lost, we're gone. And so when we can start to attune to that experience of, oh, that, mind is shifted to that okay oh and that's gone now and what's next what's here so um, the continuity of the mindfulness from moment to moment is where the power of the mindfulness comes from and is a form of concentration it is a form of, it's in, the, in the, the texts, it's called moment-to-moment concentration. The, the, the moment-to-moment knowing of what's happening in the moment, it like draws the thread of awareness through our experience. And that stabilizes the mind. And that's a form of concentration because as the mind becomes stable... The, um, there's much less room for reactivity, much less room for, for the mind to get caught in one thing or another. And so that, that concentration, you know, as the mindfulness gets more continuous, if you've experienced concentration in other forms of meditation where you've been paying attention to one object, there's a way in which you're familiar with the way the mind kind of gets quiet and settled and still. Um, there's a kind of an ease or peace or relaxation in, in the experience with that concentration. Well, there's some differences with this moment-to-moment concentration. It's not that things get still in the same way, but the same kind of ease and peace and non-reactivity can be there. 
And so it's a different form of concentration, but it is a, a very powerful form of concentration that allows us to see very deeply into how our minds do what they do. So let's stand for a moment. We'll take a, a, a brief moment to give our bodies a break, and then we'll do a, um, a sitting practice. <laughs> 